This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, it's another fabulous day at Author You, your guide to book publishing. And with me for, I think, the third or fourth time is the amazing Mara Pearl, who wears the cap, actually multiple caps, of, of actress, of best-selling author, of publisher, and I'm, I'm thrilled to say she's also a member of the Author You board, and Mara is going to be doing a stellar, it's so exciting, to do a two-person play uh, for our entertainment on Friday night, and you need to be there because you'll see the magic of someone who is so skilled from the actress side transition age five years with just a twirl and a scarf around her neck, or she can do all these different things. And she will be doing a special program on how you can really take your program, your book, and really start thinking about how do you convert it into a play, another purpose, and we'll be doing that in a special workshop. So Mara's here, and we're going to be talking about a variety of things, but one of the the themes of the Author You Extravaganza, which is September 15th to 17th, and you can get all the details at authoryouextravaganza.org, that is Dare Greatly. And so how do you, as an author, dare greatly in your writing, in your vision, in your marketing, in just about everything? So we're going to use that as a running theme um, really throughout our program today so you can really stand above the three million books that will be published this year. Now, granted, a lot of those books maybe shouldn't have been out loud out of the barn, but they are, and they're competing with your space. So how do you differentiate yourself from the rest of the crowd? So, Mara, welcome back. Thank you. Delighted to be here. All right, so I think we can just jump right into it because I love the idea of daring greatly. And oh, so do I. So yeah. different. Yep. Yeah, I love that theme, and I guess for me, in this for this year's program, it kind of means two things. First, as an author, you really want to always challenge yourself. Am I telling the most important story that I want to share from my heart? Am I getting out there and reaching out to readers in ways I never imagined? You know, throughout the process, challenging yourself. And I know that at Author U, everyone who's there will be challenged in every session. And you're going to be thinking and rethinking, are you doing, not just doing enough, but not just working harder, but working smarter? So I know that that's what Author You is, is all about all year, and then I always love this event where we all come together. I know I always feel that at the end of it, my brain is so full, <laughs> and it takes a while to process it all. 
So then the other part of Daring Greatly for me is that this is really what's at the heart of every good story, right? So every character who's really interesting and compelling has to try to surmount some tremendous obstacle, either outside themselves or inside themselves. So I think if you're writing fiction or theater, you need to ask yourself, do I have that sense of daring greatly within the core story? And and that really is a critical thing. I mean, the whole issue of daring greatly, sometimes um, you, you may feel, but I'm daring too different, they won't get it. And I've seen it actually when I've been a judge in book competitions, that I get a book that's so unique that uh, it's either ahead of its time. And as an, uh, as an author of twice, I've been out of the gate that I was way ahead of my time. And it, mm-hmm. took, it takes a while to catch up. So there, there might be, I don't know if there's some triggers, if you can figure out, or I, I kind of feel with things moving so quickly and how information gets spread so rapidly today that the idea of being too far ahead of yourself becomes more remote because if a buzz can get started, that far away can be brought into current. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I two thoughts. One, I think when you're planning a campaign, you need to ask both your head and your heart. So asking your head, what I mean by that is getting some tremendous coaching, attending some great seminars and webinars, asking experts for advice, lining up all your possibilities. Then you want to also really consult your intuition to say, does this really feel like the right thing at the right time? Sometimes you're right. You can be the first out of the gate, which can be uncomfortable. Um, In 2011, I had that experience. It occurred to me, I was talking with the ebook manager at my publishers, and I said, you know, I have a short story that relates to my first novel in the series. Could we maybe offer this as a bonus for people who purchase the book. He said, well, we could, do it, we could do one better. We could publish it as the prequel that leads into the book. And so we published what was the first prequel short story preceding the release of a novel. Nobody had done that before. And, oh, my gosh, we hit it out of the park. The little short story became number one on Amazon, and now almost every fiction author is doing the same kind of program because it works mm-hmm. so well. You know, at the time... It's become the norm. It's become the norm now. Yeah, It has become the norm, yeah. And so sometimes you find yourself unwittingly, you, you're leading a new trend. And that's ex- it is exciting to do that. Also, um, as someone who has been in that boat before when I came out with my book and my study, first of all, it was the study that was announced on women undermining women. Boy, did I become mm. a target. Holy yeah. moly. Wow. I mean, holy. So you have to be prepared for that. That's true. You know, that, that you can be targeted a little bit. But the, the best form of targeting is emulation when everyone else starts doing it, which is what you experience, which is very yeah. hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very hot. All right. All right, so you've got the challenges, and I think that for our fiction, you know, everyone always says, but you're always talking, Judith, because I'm a nonfiction writer, you're always talking nonfiction. Not necessarily so. That creativity is all over the fiction map. And the other thing is that as a storyteller, which is what 
you you gifted fiction people do is that you carry it into uh, weaving as you go through. But the reality is nonfiction authors have got to master the art of storytelling because that's the way you grab your reader um, to identify the pain and start easing it with solutions. And storytelling is a fabulous way to do it. Oh, I think you're right. I think really it's how human beings process. It's how we understand our lives. I think of story as a lens through which we can look more closely at specific issues in life, whether they're fictional or nonfiction. It's really the same issues. And if you only look at it from the sort of superficial structure, you can't draw people in enough. It's not interesting enough. It's not insightful enough. But if you train that story lens on that same issue and go deep, now people start to get the aha moments. And you fill your book with aha moments, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you will have devoted readers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have just finished the... Um the judging for the draft a dream book competition right. and what's what's been so amazing it was one and two were so tight it, it you know in each category one and two mm. which is it going to be as we started looking at the scores from the judges and librarians were the judges or people right. who were highly involved in the um, reading in that particular genre that they could really give input and it was fascinating to see the evolution of these young authors and what they are turning in now versus, I can tell you, when I turned in a book 30 years ago, they were nowhere as polished from even editing involved and everything else as Isn't they that are now. Exciting. That's fantastic. Well, that's the yeah. great thing about this contest that you're running. I mean, it's um, no. Not for a finished book. It's for really um, lighting the lighting the fire and encouraging a young writer to proceed with a publishing career. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Some of the winners are just really wonderful. Some of the artwork that came in with these kids' books, I'm going, holy moly! Wow, <laughs> great, it was very cool. It is very, very cool. Exciting. And of course, I'm not a judge because I often sometimes have to step in to be the deal breaker at times, and I didn't have to do it this year, but I'm, I'm always prepared, so I have to step away. And the other thing yeah. is, I sometimes know some of the contestants, so I purposely stay out of it. Yes, that's important, that kind of integrity. That makes a contest, um, you know, have its its uh, real integrity and value. Yep. Yep, and and anyone connected with me, they can't enter either. So they're, you know, they kind of have lower lips out, but that's the way it goes. All right, right. so here we go. <laughs> um, we, we're we're uh, really a few, uh, just a couple of minutes for a break. But what I wanted to do is, I mean, Mara, you've been involved with the extravaganza, and uh, th- what we're going to be having is we have these, we have over twenty five awesome experts at the extravaganza. What are some of the biggest takeaways that you've taken from it? over the years. This is our seventh annual one. It is one of the most important events of the year for me as an author, just speaking selfishly uh, from the perspective of any author who wants to have breakthroughs. We spend you know, a huge amount of time and effort all through the year on our writing, working with our editors, presumably also working to some extent with our 
designers and figuring out our marketing. And then you start to feel new trends are happening, but I don't even have time to keep up with them. How am I going to know what's the best thing to do now at this present time? That's one of the big takeaways from the extravaganza is that you get the latest and greatest information. These people are tracking what we do not have time to track because we're too busy creating the book. I find it so valuable. People will say, well, last year, this was the best thing you could do for Amazon marketing. But this year, you need to do it this way. Or whether it's your blogging or whether it's your social media, it's so exciting to hear these new trends. And as you go through the days and and the sessions, I mean, my pen is flying across the pages as I'm taking notes because I'm getting so much information that I'm applying right away to my particular project. So, and I, I said, you know, and I think that's what's cool because, and and I, what I love about it is all the speakers are there the whole time. So you are able to, as an attendee, schmooze with them and yes. and pull even more information, which yes, I think is just such a freaking home run. Coaching for a few yeah. minutes, and that question, that burning question, you'll say. Now, I heard you say in your talk, such and such, but how would that work? Do you think that would really work for me? And you'll get an answer right then and there. And you may even have an opportunity to sign up for one of their programs at a tremendous mm-hmm. discount, which you would never get otherwise. That's another yeah, takeaway. Yep. It's it's huge um, yeah. with all of that, which I I just love it because one of the things is when, when we invite people to speak, they're not allowed to be supers. And, and I'll define what a super is, and we're going to take a quick break. But a super is a speaker who comes in. They do a great program. You love them. And they grab their, their payment, whatever it is, and they split. And they don't oh, yeah. hang out. They don't schmooze. They're not available to you. So no swooping allowed. And with that, <laughs> we'll be right back. Mara Pearl is with us. She is doing a wonderful program, and we'll get into um, into it and how she found and discovered C marks and how she's evolved it to an audience that where they laugh and they may cry a little bit, but they have a great time. This is author you, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author You today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author You on Twitter at Author You and on Facebook at Author You, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author You, where the author goes to become seriously successful.
Every picture tells a story. And it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover. Nick Selinger and NZ Graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors, independent and traditional publishers for years. He has developed a reputation for... Excellent work, fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces ebooks and book marketing materials such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards, including Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival Award, and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics.com or call 303-985-4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ, friend of Judith's, and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing. One of the most important decisions you will ever make is your choice for printing your book. You are choosing a company which will be responsible for guiding you through the process and printing your book at a level of quality and detail that embraces your personal and creative needs. You want to choose a company that when your book finally arrives, you are delighted and ready to move on to the next level and one that is customer focused. Choose King Printing Company and Addy Books to be that company that brings you to the next level. Go to kingprinting.com or call 978-458-2345 and ask for Tom Campbell. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, I mentioned as we went to break that Mara and her partner, Christopher Law, her acting partner will be presenting C-Marks as the Friday night entertainment. And then on Saturday, um, and that's, it comes with a gourmet dinner. I mean, it's, just, it's a wonderful evening. And then on Saturday, they are going to be doing a master class, breaking it out on how you can take what you have and start thinking about doing conversions. So, Mara, tell us a little bit more about what you're going to be doing at both events. The play, Seamarks, is one of these iconic pieces of writing. I first found it in the 80s. It had actually been written in the 70s. Uh, I was a young actress at the time, and sometimes actors have this experience where they find a piece which they really feel was written for them. That's what happened to me when I found this play. I knew I had to do the play. Never even mentioned this to my manager, but... He knew me quite well, called one day and said, I have this other client who's looking for a co-star. I said, what's the play? He told me the name. I said, I'll do it. He said, but I haven't even told you when or where. I said, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. i got to do this play. 
So it's a two-character play about loneliness, about identity, about finding yourself, finding your home, balancing your career and your responsibilities and your sense of duty with your sense of destiny and connection and love and romance. These two people, he lives on a remote island off the northern coast of Ireland. You can, it's hard to imagine a place any more remote than that on the planet. He's a fisherman. His life is himself and the sea, mostly. She is in, what do you know, the publishing business, which has taken her so far to Liverpool, though her goal is to get to London. London, London, London. She wants to be in the book business in London. Well, then they meet, then nothing happens, then they write, and they write and they write letters to each other for a long time. Then they finally decide they're brave enough to meet in person. And um, I won't say any more for spoiler reasons. <laughs> Suspense. <laughs> but it's Suspense, so compelling. Yes. And although it's set at an earlier decade, it's so relevant to today in that people are still trying to find each other in online dating and trying to figure out, is that guy I made up in my head? Is that going to be the real guy when I actually meet him? Maybe I should never should meet him, or how do I tell? So there are these mm-hmm. inner questions that are perennial that Gardner McKay, this wonderful writer, pinpointed so poignantly and so beautifully. So, you know, I really felt, I, I didn't think 70s or 80s. I mean, I felt, uh, you know, when you discovered it, I felt it was a kind of a timeless piece. I, I didn't feel that any time was on it. I agree with uh, you. It's just so yeah, human. I, I, I it's the human condition, so. no matter, yeah. It could be a science fiction story about people who meet who live on two different planets. You know, it's, it is timeless. Mm-hmm. It is this core, core story. So You know, it, it's kind of like Mara, uh, Dom Testa, who is also one of our speakers. And yes, one of Dom my is, favorite Dom writers. Is a hoot. Yep. In fact, he called me this morning. He said, how would you feel if I changed? Now he's going to talk about life and balance. But you know what? I think I'd like to, you know, how about nurturing your inner nerd? What do you think about that, Judith? <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Okay, tell me about it. And he says, it's a hoot. It's fun. I'm going to be doing this over lunch. And it's it's just really because so many people, literally, do back away from that nerdy side of it. And now we're mm. talking about social media and all that stuff. Yeah. But there is so much that you can do in that. So I said, Dom, I'm game for anything. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. And they, they would just love to hear you. And and then for our audience, Dom is a big personality in, in Denver, and he is a hugely successful, best-selling YA author. And Dom, which 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 triggered my comments about him, that when you ask him about his characters and what his books are about, he will always say they're about relationships. And mm-hmm. Mara, what you're talking about is this book, your your play that you discovered that you so beautifully do is about relationships. Yes, it is. It really is. And you learn whether you're performing in this play or whether you're watching this play, you learn mm-hmm. something. You come mm-hmm. to think about the connection between, you know, each of these characters has their own background. Both of them come from the remote countryside. And so how do we relate to our own roots? 
how important is it to keep present those values that you got in your childhood if they were good ones? And how important is it to outgrow them and move beyond them and create something of your own? So there's that relationship with yourself. And then there's the relationship with the other. How much do you rely on the other person? How vulnerable do you allow yourself to become? Or do you have to keep a sense of protection lest something happens and they they leave you or you feel you have to leave them? How dependent should you be? How codependent should you be? So all these deeper issues about relationship come up in this piece. And at times it's hilariously funny because <laughs> just that vulnerability can be so funny. And at times it's terribly, terribly sad and, and difficult. So it really runs this whole gamut. And it's interesting because Christopher and I did this piece together in the 80s when we were 12. And um, <laughs> now, now that we're a yeah. little older than that, um, we come back to this material having really not looked at it for 30 years. And it's more relevant than ever. It's deeper than ever. We have more life experience that we bring to these roles. It is so much richer than it ever could have been before. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a huge commentary about life and about the value of really good writing. And, and you know when you say that, because what, what the play has is what we would refer to, it's got great legs. It's got mm -hmm. great legs to it. And that it, it can go on from decade to decade. I mean, here's something that you discovered 30 years ago. Yeah. And it, it's just as poignant. It just is, it's actually, um, I, that's what I felt when I said it's timeless. That I felt that there was no, it, it didn't matter that it, this is 2016. I saw it in 2015. It didn't matter that it was 2015. Um, it was just as needy as it was 30 years ago when you discovered it. Yeah, and, it really, and, it is. And, you know, this is, so here we are, we're, we're presenting a, an author's weekend. So why are we bringing theater in, even into it? So mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot about this before our talk today, about what's the connection between, let's say, reading a novel and seeing a movie or seeing a play. Is it, are these essentially different experiences? Or are they essentially the same experience? Well, from the point of story, I think it's the same experience. It's got to have that, that drama. It's got to have that daring greatly. It's got to have that conflict, the effort, and then the resolution. The story can be an adventure. It can be science fiction like Dom Testa's books. It can be fantasy. It can be romance like my books. It can be thriller and mystery. It can be lighthearted. It can be dark and disturbing. No matter the style Still, the essence of the story is this conflict. And we're going to have a chance to present a writer who so clearly understood that and distilled it and presented a story that has continued to travel through time. I mean, this play has gotten rediscovered, and it's being done. It was done recently in New York, and it's being done elsewhere. And there's a reason Oh, how for fun it. is that? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what you just said? You said that, you know, I mean, I just made a little note, you know, why have drama and conflict in your fiction? The reality is... For nonfiction people, you need to have a little drama and conflict mm -hmm. in your writing to engage, because what those two elements do is called engagement. Yes. And that your reader goes, oh, my God, 
they're writing about me. They're talking about me. She understands. He gets me. Um, or it's it's. You know, this sounds like my cousin Charlie. But that's the power of using drama and conflict. And I I'm fascinated. I mean, fiction people seem to get it. I'm fa- I'm fascinated that nonfiction don't embrace that uh, that the magic of it. Well, we need to help them do that because. If you're going to sit down and write a nonfiction book, there's a reason you're writing it. Something has happened to you, and I bet the thing that has happened to you has a lot of drama in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, your, your parents passed away, and you had to deal with it. Well, there's plenty of drama there. Or you had a bank failure, and you figured out how to restructure your finances. There's a lot of drama there. So that drama and conflict, you're right, it connects to a human story. And if we bring that story to the reader, that's when they're going to become interested in you, what you have to bring to that solution. You know, you are so right on. When I went through, a lot of people don't know, that I went through a horrendous embezzlement from a female oh. partner. And and by the time it was over, we lost over a million dollars. We lost oh everything. My God. We were homeless. We lost everything, and, and including my health. In the middle of it, my son died. All right. So I mean, oh, I have crisis going on in every avenue of my life, and that when I wrote the book, Woman to Woman from Sabotage to Support. I opened on a, a totally nonfiction book because I was dealing with toxic behavior and, and mm-hmm. differences in, in women. And I opened with that story. And that's the one that grabbed every media. That's the one that grabbed four pages in People magazine. That's the one that took it from the National Enquirer to, to the Wall Street Journal. And that Oprah makes sense. to fill in the blank. Everybody wanted to know what happened. How did you recover and and rebuild? And it was huge, and it was the drama and the conflict and the personal, the personal agony of Mm -hmm. all of that. And it it was always there, and it was nonfiction, you know, real life. And to the fact, I remember being on Regis and whoever he was with at that time in Los Angeles on a television show before he moved to New York. Um, and of course now he's retired from it, but that re- that I had producers calling me and actually optioned the book for a possibility, but it was ahead of its time. They, you know that kind of thing was ahead of its time, but but I had a couple of it options was, on it. It was, but look at the validity of it. I mean, I, I don't know if you've got the latest edition of that book, but it sounds like you could bring it out again because it is full of that human story, that tragedy, that triumph. And it's so encouraging to a reader to think, no matter what horrendous thing I've been through, someone has blazed this trail. I can glean comfort and valid information from this that's going to help me go forward. And so, and that's, so that's, that's storytelling that goes into, and again, we're exactly. going to come back to fiction or nonfiction. They are so close in so many ways. And they share so much in common, and yet the 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 two huge avenues, the fiction and nonfiction, think they're not connected. And I'm telling you, you are connected. Mm-hmm, they are, for, for, to, especially today, the way people write, and we have the media influence and everything else. We're going to take a quick break. Mara Pearl's with us. We're, we're really talking. We're weaving around why you need to be a master storyteller. 
really, and ways to do it. And I, you know, I, I, I just, the, one of the triggers when you're talking about doing the prelude, you know, nonfiction people should be doing that too, Mara, and they don't. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you a discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. Want to publish like a pro today? Well, then take a look at Ingram Spark, the only publishing platform that offers print and ebook services through a single source. Upload, edit, and manage titles all in one place. Take more control of printing costs with print on demand and reach even more readers through one of the world's most extensive distribution networks. Built by independent publishers for independent publishers, Ingram Spark has everything you need to maximize your book's potential color printing, ebook distribution, print on demand, global reach, and more. Start publishing with Ingram Spark today and see just how far your titles will go tomorrow. That's IngramSpark.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so we're halfway through. We're talking about some of the things that really has uh, been part of Mara Pearl fabric, her books. Um, I always think of them as the heart series. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's what I do. Too. You always mm-hmm. have the word heart in them. Yeah. And um, um, so, Mara, why don't we tell our listeners what a couple of the titles are? I'm I'm writing this series, and I agree with you. It's the heart series. The first one is what the heart knows, and it's kind of an interesting cross there because normally you would say, well, it's actually what the head knows. How can the heart be the organ that knows something? But that's my point: is that we have this intuitive information that we ought to be listening to more. And then book two is where the heart lives. And that's kind of an orientation part of the journey. The book that I'm writing now is called Why Hearts Keep Secrets. And ooh, it's a juicy one. Mm-hmm. And it'll be out ooh, I like next the title. Mother's Day. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like the title journey. a lot. When's it coming out? Mother's Day, next Mother's Day. Great. All right. So, and so here's she's picked a, we've got a keyword heart, but she's got a series going. So you want those of you who are writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I think it's brilliant to think series. And you start your branding from the get-go. Yeah, branding is really important. And I know Mara 
has spent a huge amount of time in finding the right feel, the right look, the right verbiage for everything that she does around that for her audience that will attract it. You know, I think one of the things that I like to share with authors is do think of this as a journey. It's the long haul. There are certain things that we can do quickly and efficiently, and it's fantastic to know about those things. But to build your brand and build your career as a writer, it is a process, and it's a deep process that I don't think you can possibly shortcut. If you skim the surface of this, even if you have a successful book, I don't think your career is sustainable because once you have a book out there, and particularly once you have a series out there, guess what? You're going to be talking about it all the time. Therefore, it needs to really matter to you. It needs to be something you don't get tired of. It needs to be something you care about so passionately that you truly want to share. That's why I really encourage people to dig deep. I know 10 years ago I was at the L.A. Times Festival of Books, and there I was in a booth, and I thought, what needs to be in that booth? What am I really here to do? I asked myself, what am I here to do? Well, I'm here to share my books. Okay, but under that, what am I here to do? Well, I'm here to offer people a space where they can think differently about what they're doing with their lives. Okay, that's pretty good. And underneath that, what am I here to do? And what am I doing for my readers? I finally got down, down, down to bedrock, which was, oh, this is a journey from head to heart. That's my whole message. It's what I speak about. It's what I write about. And it has informed all my writing and all my work ever since. And it has made me not only more and more successful, it's also made me happier and happier as I really fulfill this evolving sense of mission. Now, every writer can create their own. Copying someone else's is a disaster because you can't sustain it and it's just so boring and superficial. But digging deep into what you have to offer your particular gifts, there's just nothing more rewarding, right? Mm-mm. No, and I and I think what you have hit, you know, the kind of the, the the head of the nail here is that you really, before we started calling them, understood who your super fans would be. Who were you, who were the the super readers for number one, your genre, which was women's fiction, and yes. you were calling it women's fiction before other people called it women's fiction, which I always loved about you, mm-hmm. um, but. That also, how do you really get to know what, what's the makeup? What's the, the literally the inner Bible of this super fan? What what do they want? And and I think that that's so critical for all of us who are not a one book pony. And 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 there are very few authors, certainly in the business, who uh, we see in the author you environment that are only going to have one book. Uh, they're exactly. already thinking about the next, and the reality is you should be. That next exactly. should be on your vision scene right away. Yes, definitely. Because because it's, there's an evolution, and your characters do evolve. Uh, for fiction, they do evolve if, well, if they're they going to come back. They certainly do, and they surprise you. I mean, I know that sounds absolutely insane. I mean, how can your 
own character that you've made up in your own head. How can it surprise you? Mm-hmm. But it does. Oh, because you they, t- they take the over. <laughs> Characters <laughs> take do. over. They do. In fact, I had a friend who used to say to me, good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so reasonable. All right, so head. so Mara, tell me uh, about that. You know, so the you mentioned in the conflict and the drama. Are there anything else that authors can or writers? You know, we have our writers, and the difference to me between an author and a writer: a writer can write for all kinds of different things. They could, they could do corporate brochures. That's a writer, a, a specific type of writer. Authors, uh, so they're not really authors. Authors, though, have to be writers. So yeah. there's a, they they just have this specific path they go kind of go down um, in that where you've got all these freelance people who do articles and they do different things or they're they're a columnist they are writers but they're not truly authors and still they start bringing it together and have a beginning middle and end through a series of, of elements that bring it about at least that's my right. interpretation. That's, right, that's and going view. deeper in, in creating their own core values and core mission about what they're writing about. That's when you get into the real authoring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in, in creating that fiction, learn from drama, what, what about, good God, there's so much drama going on in our daily lives and the news <laughs> and, you know, we won't even go down some of it current on that, but how can you, I mean, our friend Joan Stewart, who is, will be speaking at the extravaganza, who is so good um, at, at the concept of newsjacking and was taking something current and how can I, you know, do a hook to my book and run with it um, and doing oh, that. Yeah, how can yeah. you, yeah, where, where, where as an author, let's say for a fiction type of thing, or even nonfiction, I guess, because your examples, I, I just finished a book. Um, called the Poppy Factor, and he had some examples in there. I made him take out uh, because they were, you know, when he used them, he had a reference to Donald Trump, and that I just said, I, I don't want you going down this path because number one, you will piss off at least half of the population right away, and you have to be careful of politicians and things anyway in your writing. But he was using him as an example of this and this, and as more and more stuff came out, and I said, we can't go down this path, Brad. There are other people that we can use that are great examples that are still, I mean, I don't think anyone is squeaky clean, but they, they're they not controversial. And I think that's important. Well, yes, because you want, as an author, you want to be inclusive. Your job as an author, in my opinion, is not to judge your reader even before you've given them a chance to enjoy your book, your job is to try to meet them wherever they may be. Everyone is in a different place on their journey. I think one of the joys of life in America is this healthy dialogue between different political parties or um, between profits and nonprofit organizations. Between, you know, We have a lot of dichotomies, and yet what, out of it we create this very rich, American life, which is full of opportunity, full of entrepreneurship, full of a lot of very, very good things that we all treasure. So that is a larger conversation, really, than the temporary flare-ups where we have political disagreement. So I agree with you. I don't think it's important necessarily to be pointing fingers fingers, and, and blaming um, when you're trying to do something else, when you're trying to write a book 
that uplifts someone and leads them into a better life. I mean, in a way, that's what every book is trying to do, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And and that's what makes it exciting. I mean, to me, as a book shepherd, when I get these things, and I always love to see, you know, where are we going with it? What's going to happen? Um, and and you know, what will I learn? Because I love oh, I, the learning process, I, the takeaways yes, from I'm, it. I work so, with a very you know, small handful of, of, of clients um, that I do some book coaching, you know, writing coaching with. Mm-hmm. And it is such a privilege. These people are, they're just bring their hearts right to their work and they're bringing these fabulous stories. I just love helping them get their work clarified and, and out there and in the hands of, of readers. Well, you and I just share a passion for uh, the power of good writing and what it does in our lives. I know, and and it's 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 really fun to me. It's fun because I never know what's going to walk in my door. (laughs) So I have a a quick question for you. So you we we talk about writing between the lines, and you know, and I've attended classes that you've given on that. So give us a couple of examples. We have a couple of minutes before our final break, then we can, you know, carry it on. But okay. what is writing between the lines? Okay, well, this is one of my favorite things, as you know. So fiction has these two different aspects. It's got the narrative part, and then it's got the dialogue part. Mm-hmm. And in this author, you extravaganza, since we're bringing a play, what we're going to be asking people to do is spend a little time focusing on that dialogue. Now, dialogue itself also has two aspects. You have what is spoken and what is not spoken, and that's the between the lines. And a good author has to be in control of offering both what he does say and what he doesn't say. It may sound impossible, but in the acting business, we call this subtext. So you have text and you have subtext. You can think of it as, what you see on the surface of the water and what you don't see that's swimming below the surface, but you know it's there. So the author has to help the audience or the reader understand, is that a whale under there or is that a shark? Or is that a sea urchin or is that an an eel? You know, there are moments... You know, let's say there's a little piece of of dialogue. One person says, what's the address where I'm supposed to meet you? And the other person says, it's 105 Jones Street. Okay, that's fine. And all of that is in the text and it's in the head. Now if we move into the heart, we move into the subtext. Then let's say, what's the address where I'm supposed to meet you? And the other person says, um, uh, it's, uh, um, I can't remember. Now, you may already know that this person knows perfectly well what the address is, but there's a reason they're not willing to say it. It's fear, it's manipulation, it's secret, it's whatever it is. You will determine in your writing why that character is reluctant to let go of that information. So, oh, that, yeah, and there's more to that too because subtext can come in with the ear 
and music. I'm thinking of some of the movies and some of the scores that come in, and oh, you think, "Oh yes, God, here comes definitely. the creepo." Oh yeah. no, I'm gonna. Hi- I mean, yeah, I, I my children alleyway. know that they don't take <laughs> me to spooky stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I'm a disaster. But, you know, there are, Listen, we're going to take a quick break, emotional. and I want to come back and and keep going on this topic. This okay. is author you, your guide to book publishing, and Mara Pearl, who is an author, an actress, uh, uh, a publisher. And she knows authors. She also does writing coaching, which is always good to have someone on your team who is really skilled in this arena. And she will be one of the speakers at the Author You Extravaganza, September 15th to 17th, which you should be there. That is, if you want to be seriously successful, go to authoryouextravaganza.org or shortcut just authoryou.org and just click on the events tab. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need The Book Shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems, you want solutions. Dr. Judith Browse will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Browse is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303 303- 885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. 
Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so I kind of left it hanging with the eerie music because I remember when I, I literally jumped out of my seat when my kids dragged me to see Jaws the first time. Oh, and you heard yeah. that music coming in. Holy moly, I was a mess. I mean, and, and you know, I'm someone when they drag me to see aliens, I, I have my hands covered in my ear, my, my fingers <laughs> in my ears. I could not function. And they've yeah. decided we will not take mom there anymore. Okay, so... So, so spooky stuff, horror stuff, that it's not my thing. It's not, it's, you know, not I love to laugh either. or not I not like political action things. You know, I, I like those kind of things. But, so, um, so in a, but in a play music like, is like huge. Marks, you have all this rich subtext. And I, I really uh, freely admit that Christopher and I are both much better now than we used to be at digging out. I call these digging out the treasures that are in that subtext. And so on the back of the program that attendees will receive when they come to our wonderful extravaganza evening, there's a little quiz on the back page of the program that a couple of things the audience can look for and listen for as they are watching the play. Then when we give the master class on Saturday, we will key into those and ask the audience some questions about what they noticed. It's oh, I love so, that idea. Yeah. Love that idea. Yeah. It's really fun. There will be moments in the play where there are huge clues given. And what do those mean and what do they lead to? And then you'll look at the actors and you'll think, well, what's the problem? Why are they hesitating? Oh, it must be because dot, dot, dot. And Ooh. that is what makes the experience <laughs> so rich and you know, when you're the actor, you have to dig out those treasures. But guess what? That means that as the writer, you have to have buried those treasures for the actors and the audience to find. That's what I want to help the writers with on our Saturday session. So is that, Mara, is that something that mystery writers, for example, learn to do early on in their, their training uh, curve on that, so that they start dropping little eggs that the or or do they just wait and throw at something totally off the wall that you never you never could figure out uh, this this person was the bad dude or dudette? Well, there are a lot of different mystery styles, but the ones that are my favorite are very very carefully crafted. It's almost like you start your writing process with the completed painting. Then you carve it up into pieces and make it into a jigsaw and choose when you're going to dole out which piece. Now, some people are good at that context and they'll start piecing that puzzle together faster. Some people really won't get it until the last piece of the puzzle is put into place in the last couple of pages. Either way, you're on an intriguing journey and every little detail potentially matters in a mystery. There's almost no throwaway because anything could be a clue. Yeah, and and you know, I, as a as someone who does read mysteries, I um, 
I, I'm disappointed if they give me too much. It's so obvious I can't stand it, and I'll just go to the end of the book that, yeah, I was right and I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of really going along the journey, I'd rather be teased a little bit. And keep, but, you know, well, we, it could be this friend, person and this example, person. For example, our friend Margaret Cole, who's a New York Times mm-hmm. bestselling mystery writer, mm-hmm. her books are so good because it isn't just the head piecing these things together. It's the emotional journey. She has two protagonists, and they're each on a different emotional journey, and then she'll have the emotional problem of the perpetrator and that of the victim. So you've got at least four rather rich stories emotionally that are all then woven together, and that's one of the reasons why I so enjoy reading her books. Um, Louise Penny, who writes um, stories set in a little town near Montreal, Mm -hmm. very, very rich visually, very rich and stimulating all the senses. I mean, you feel that you get the aroma of that fabulous stew and you want the recipe, but meanwhile you're supposed to figure out, oh, but why did he kill her? (laughs) (laughs) God, she was a good cook, for God's sake. that's why. (laughs) I wanted the recipe. (laughs) Yeah, but that richness, again, that human drama of this person wants something that they're Mm -hmm. afraid they won't get, and they take drastic measures to get it. Um, this core conflict, whether you're writing a, a romance or whether you're writing a mystery or an adventure, you still need to know these techniques as a writer. And then your style as a writer will evolve out of this. But first, you've got to get these, these core elements. And the more you read what other writers are doing and the more fantastic drama you see, the richer your own writing can become. You have just said something that I had a discussion yesterday with a author who was working on her second book. And one of the questions I ask authors is, so tell me what you read. I, I always want to know, what, what are you reading? And I am hugely disappointed um, for them, for them, when they tell me, well, I don't read a lot. Because oh. one of the things that I, I think is so critical for an author, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is you should be devouring what the top authors are doing in your specific genre. You should oh, be studying them. You've got these masters in, in your eyeball fingertips. And, and what, what are they doing? What are they using to bring it together? Why do their words sing? I mean, why do they have all these followers? What could you take from them and mimic and pull it together? And yet they don't do it. And and I'm finding that this is often a norm, Mara. I don't get it. I don't understand why they don't. You know, I, I think each author has to understand his or her life in two regards. You have the part of your life that's very solitary. There's nobody in the world but you, you and the world you're creating. You close your door. You don't want to be distracted or disturbed. You need to focus and really write these chapters and keep writing every day. And, you know, it's tough. It's very solitary, and it's necessary as a part of what you're doing in your work. Then there's the other part of being an author, which is, Absolutely none of us is an island. Not one of us is truly functioning completely alone. We are in a community of other writers. 
I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our colleagues to be aware of what work is going on in our field. We need to be there to support each other. I mean, I actively go out and buy the books of the authors I admire because I Me want too. I want another dollar and 22 cents or whatever to wind up in their bank account because I have bought their book. Um, it's really important to me to to support my my colleagues, my fellow artists. But I'm aware that they are contributing to me. They are helping to make my world possible. And then you want to go to the next concentric circle and realize that you as an author don't exist unless you have readers. So it's a partnership with your readers. I believe we equally owe it to ourselves to find out what is going on for my readers. Well, first of all, they are people who read. So I need to understand the experience of reading and be sharing it. So right away, we have something in common. When I go to Goodreads, the people who are reading my books, I'm interested to see what else they're reading. And isn't it great then to have a little moment of conversation and say, oh, wasn't that fantastic what Michael Connolly did in that last thriller? Or wasn't it terrific? I mean, Sue Grafton is finally getting towards the end of the alphabet. Good for her. You know? <laughs> Yeah, so now is she going to start on numbers? What is she going to start on? I don't know. That, 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 that was one of my yeah. questions. So where is she going to go next? The Cyrillic, maybe. You know, the next alphabet. I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, you yeah. know, there there are many there are many languages that have far more letters than than the uh, English. English. This is true. Alphabet. It's true. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So she to can understand to get these distinctions that we live in context. We live in community. We can pretend that we don't. But that doesn't really work. Why would we want to pretend that? Let's be authentic, and let's really get that we're in a community of writers. And the more we understand and read each other, the more supportive we can be. And allow your fellow writers to contribute to you as well. Nobody wants to be copied. That isn't the point. What we want is to be inspired. That's the difference. And there's Nobody a huge difference exactly in that. Like but but and, but in, in, in I, when I was talking to Bobby about her her whole, uh, you know, what was she reading, and I said, so I, I'm going to be on a writing retreat. Okay, so I'm taking one book with me, and in a couple of weeks, where I'm underground to actually work on one of my clients' books uninterrupted to finish her book, and that for my pleasure. <laughs> Because, you know, that that my listeners know that I will get on a cruise ship and really focus this way. And that for my pleasure, I'm taking Pat Conroy's book, The Prince of Tides, which I've oh, always oh, loved. What, that's one of my favorite book books. Could, oh, that's a fantastic book. Yeah. All right. And, and I've read it several times, but it's going to be my treat because yeah. I will see something different. But he had such chewy unbelievable descriptions and lines in his writing that it, it influences me and, and I carry it with me. And I think that when you're reading, all of you should be looking at, that when you see a, a paragraph or a sentence that just really sings to you, stop and oh, devour absolutely. it and chew create, over create it a, and what a... makes it work. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, create a tickler file for yourself that is your little inspiration pot of gold. I mean, there's a writer named William Least Heat Moon 
who writes nonfiction travelogue books that inspire me no end. I have to go to the dictionary, you know, every 10 minutes to find out the definition of yet another word that he's using that I've never heard of. But he notices layers and layers and layers of the life that's going on around him that is so inspiring. Um, so, and I read Shakespeare and I read Ken Follett historical books. Mm-hmm. I read a wide variety of things that feed my soul. You know, you need to take yourself on uh, what Julia Cameron calls an artist date. This can mm-hmm. be with a close friend where you go and have a fabulous cup of tea like you and I do sometimes, Judith. Mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. be you and yourself where you take a sketchbook or a notebook and go have your favorite latte and just absorb the beautiful colors sounds, variety of things that you're seeing and hearing, feed yourself and you have your reading be part of that feeding yourself. You mm-hmm. can't really write. It's like you, you can't serve dinner if you've got nothing in the fridge. You've got to restock your supply of imagery and juicy insight. And this partly will come from your reading. You know, that metaphor is great because I had, when you're talking about you can't have dinner, I had a situation, we're getting ready to sell our house, all right? So we're working, working, working. I've just remodeled the kitchen. I've sanded down all the cupboards. They've all been repainted and all that. And I, the doorbell rings. You know, I'm feeling really grubby. I'm sitting outside on my deck. I'm enjoying a cup of iced tea, glass of iced tea, and the doorbell rings. And I'm going, who is that? five o'clock in the afternoon and there i open the door and there we are with two of our close friends arrived for dinner i'd forgot that they were coming <laughs> all right so i mean mara you know me so i said and i just went oh my god i forgot so i said well we can go out and then i thought no just wait let me just noodle here and i'm thinking okay i've got some sockeye salmon in the freezer i've got some fresh squash i can do some risotto really quick i've got appetizers i can throw together i said nope we're good we ended up spending 5 hours together we had a lovely lovely evening what oh, you wonderful. said is that when cuz i'm a cook i'm i'm not a chef but i'm a cook you and, certainly and are. as Great you are one. and you can all you need is a little bit in your store yeah. your word store your idea store, and this is what we're talking about to see yeah. that, that you can put together a wonderful word meal just with a little bit of ingredients to get you started, and that's what happened here. All right, so we're going to have to wrap up here, but Mara, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, and thank and you. I want everyone to make sure you come to the extravaganza. You don't want to miss it. It will be one of the single best investments that you will make in your writing and publishing career. So go to authoru.org, click on the events tab, or go to AuthorU Extravaganza, and it'll take you right into the site. And certainly get Mara's book. And it's Mara, M-A-R-A-P-U-R-L. And if you go to .com, you can see her wonderful website. All right, it's a wrap. Thank you. See you at the Extravaganza. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. 
Each week, a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take you, the author, to the next level. You'll learn tips and secrets on how to create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve book publishing success by making one very simple change in your book's journey. How to avoid the publishing predators. How to create an author and book platform that rocks. Learn how to make a living with your words and your books. Learn how to publish a book that has no regrets and so much more. For more information, check out AuthorU.org, where authors who want to be seriously successful go. And Judith's website, TheBookShepherd.com. Then join us again here next week for more. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Brought to you by AuthorU and The Book Shepherd. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 